This is HPR episode 2814 entitled Spectre and Meltdown and OpenBSD and Our Future. It is hosted by first time host Zen Floater 2 and is about 21 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is a discussion about CPU and our future with them. Where are we going? This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. My name is Zenfloater2, and uh, I portray a squirrel that was a former human being converted by aliens in the 1960s into a squirrel, claws and all. At any rate, uh, everybody's got a special handle. You know, it's like uh, the days of the CB sets in the 1970s uh, Smokey and the Bandit, uh, The Snowman. <laughs> anyway, Zen Floater 2 is my handle because I like squirrels. I live in a forest in eastern Oklahoma. A forest that was uh, declared to be protected by the Supreme Court in 1972, and it's on Native American land. And uh, today, in this audio, I thought I would discuss the issue of Spectre and Meltdown and security in general. And as you know, Spectre and Meltdown are flaws that were discovered uh, in uh, any CPU that had speculative execution or speculative processing, uh, which is where the processor runs out and, uh, you know, if there's three possible branches that the, the, the program could take, it tries to compute... Uh, answers for all three so that they're ready so when the cpu gets to that point you know it can just run through and execute that uh, speculative decision at any rate uh this flaw was discovered um in january a year ago january of 1998 I believe, or I'm sorry, January 2018. What am I saying? <clears throat> and um, it's caused a lot of problems for Intel. It, it also affects AMD chips. It, it affects uh, the RISC series of chips that were based on the IBM PowerPC that was, you know, the power plant of Macintoshes from years ago. It affects a lot of chips. I have a couple of CPUs in this house that are not affected one of which is an old Dell Mini 10 that has an Intel N450 Atom. Now, that particular processor does not have um, this bug. Yeah, it doesn't have the, the design uh, problem. And also, uh, if you own a Raspberry Pi of any kind, uh, 
the Raspberry Pi is based on an ARM chip made by uh, Broadcom, I believe. And none of those are affected by Spectre Meltdown. They're all clean. So I'm uh, I'm kind of an oddball. I don't really fit in on Hacker Public Radio, perhaps, because I'm an OpenBSD user, and there's just not many OpenBSD people uh, around here. But I've been using OpenBSD since uh, started studying it around 4.8, version, and started uh, actually using it uh, full-time, uh, 5.1 or 5.2, I can't remember which. I think I started the latter part of 5.1 and... Then from 5.2 forward, we're, we're currently fixing to have version 6.5 out now. So I've been using OpenBSD for about a decade. And, uh, you know, Intel has released a lot of patches for this in the last year. The, the last of which they had everybody recall. Uh, one of the popular ways to, to address the problem is to do a BIOS update. And the last patch they gave out made the processor reboot, as you know. And so Dell and everybody uh, withdrew that patch as soon as they found out, based on Intel's advice, that the patch was bad and it wouldn't work with all their processors. Anyway, depending on which news article you read, um, it could take anywhere from five years to well over a decade before the chip manufacturers resolve this issue because they're going to have to redesign the physical hardware. You know, this won't be fixed with microcode. They're going to have to redesign the physical hardware of the CPU to be able to get around it. It's a design flaw that uh, has uh, shown up in a lot of chips uh, all the way back to the Pentium 4 in the Intel lineup. But it didn't affect every Intel chip, as I just said, the Intel N450 Atom in my um, Dell Mini 10, which is, you know, a 12-year-old, tiny little, what is it, 9-inch notebook? That thing is not affected. That's a dual core. And uh, OpenBSD recently uh, decided to fix the problem by simply turning the speculative processing off on the CPU uh, from inside their software as of version 6.4. And so half my cores are dead on my servers now. <laughs> I'm only running with half my cores. You run top and, uh, the, and uh, you know, core 0, core uh, 2, core 4, they're running. Uh, but the cores 1, 3, 5, you know, all the odd ones, they're dead. You, you never see any processing going on on them. And that was the only way they could figure to fix it because the Intel patches don't work. And so all of the Linux distributions, Mac OS X, Windows, everybody, none of those patches really work. I mean, they, they're just a band-aid for the problem, as everybody knows or should know. And so um, in the last year, I've been trying to figure out ways to get around it. And, you know... Um, the funny thing about OpenBSD, I just want to talk about OpenBSD for a minute, is over the years, if, if, it, if, you, if you have anybody that, that knows or runs OpenBSD, over the years you've noticed that uh, they've been slowly spending more and more time developing for the AMD 64 architecture, you know, the Intel 64-bit uh, AMD 64 architecture. 
And uh, that's their prime architecture, and that's also the one that's affected. And over the years, uh, Vax VMS has gone away. They no longer support that architecture. Of course, that's understandable. I mean, that's an old machine. Uh, there's just few people left that are running them. Um, and over time, uh, they'll probably drop off uh, Spark. And uh, eventually, the Power PC, they'll quit supporting that. And everybody knows that the uh, i386 platform is dying. It's going away. Uh, so they'll quit supporting that, even though i386 is is still a pretty good platform. For the embedded market, I understand. Even Linus Torvalds made a statement about that here recently in the last month or two. But uh, OpenBSD is... is way too stuck on uh, the AMD 64 platform. And that really puzzled me because if you've decided that your chip is so insecure that you're running on it, you have to turn half of it off. Uh, I would think that OpenBSD would want to move or, or take its users, encourage its users anyway, to move off that platform to another processor. And, you know, there just aren't many options here because <clears throat> when you look at these two vulnerabilities, as I just said, even the RISC chips, the latest RISC chips, what is it, RISC-8, and I think they've got a RISC-9 that's either coming out or has already come out, which is modeled after the old IBM PowerPC chip. Uh, you know, it's all open source stuff. That's affected by it too, unfortunately. It's got the same design flaw. Uh, I don't know who else is making chips. I heard something about some people in India making a wrist chip, but I don't know that they uh, they managed to get around the design flaw either. So, um, and of course, you know, uh, China's making uh, wrist-based chips. In fact, I think uh, isn't their latest supercomputer that supposedly the largest one in the world now is based all on uh, wrist chips? I believe custom boards that they made. So at any rate, um, yeah, that particular design went across several chips, but it didn't affect the Raspberry Pi. Hopefully hopefully it won't affect uh, the next version of Raspberry Pi to come out in 2020. There won't be any new Raspberry Pi this year, from what I understand. But um, the next Raspberry Pi uh, hopefully will have more than a gig of RAM and uh, be a little faster and support much more. So we'll see what that looks like in a year's time. Um, but at any rate, uh, considering how we're not going to get out of this, no matter what you do, uh, you'd have to run a Raspberry Pi or be fortunate enough to have an old computer like I do, an Intel N450, which I'm not running at the moment, by the way. Uh, I could be, but uh, I'm not. I've got it over here. It's getting hard to find an operating system, even in a Linux operating system anymore, that will run comfortably in one gigabyte of RAM. That's the problem with the N450. And, you know, the RAM is soldered on that motherboard, and it's tuned for one gig, and I don't think you can upgrade it. So, at any rate, uh, perhaps your, your only choice might be uh, one of those good old IBM X200s, you know, with Libreboot. But I'm not sure. Uh, they might be affected by Spectre Meltdown as well. So that might not be a good option for you either. I haven't bothered to check uh, if that particular Intel Core 2 Dual is uh, 
is immune from it. I think it's probably affected by one of them anyway. One of the variants of Meltdown. So uh, we don't have too many chips that we can run on that you could trust other than the Raspberry Pi right now, which is something that you could buy off the shelf. And of course, OpenBSD, uh, the people have ported it to... Um, uh, there is a port that I think they've got for the Raspberry Pi 2, just like NetBSD has one. I believe Clat 2 is running NetBSD on a Raspberry Pi 2 or something like that. Uh, several people have tried that. Uh, of course, you know they've got their own uh, Raspbian edition that you can run on it. And uh, that's what I'm running on mine at the moment. Um, not really doing anything with it. It's just sort of a toy. But, you know, again, there's only so much you can do in one gigabyte of memory. It, it, it won't make for a good desktop, but it might make for a moderate server, I guess, you know, <clears throat> if you're seriously worried about this issue. I, I think most people aren't really worried about this issue, and I, I think that's really a problem. It's like most people aren't really worried about being spied on by Google or the NSA or something like that, and that's really a problem. So anyway, in the last uh, month or so, after thinking about this issue, uh, stewing over it for eight or nine months, trying to decide what I was going to do, you know, was I going to go out and maybe buy an old Spark unit or something and turn that into a server, I went through several possibilities, and uh, so far I haven't done anything. Uh, I'm still running OpenBSD, currently version uh, 6.4, I believe, on um, my i7-equipped server and uh, half the processors are shut down. But, you know, half the cores, or whatever you want to call it, are, are shut down on it. The speculative processing has is, is been turned off intentionally because the Intel patches don't work. They, they don't work. I mean, even if you apply them, they don't, they don't keep you safe anyway. They're, they just slow the computer down. It's sort of a waste of time. Nonetheless, uh, my... OpenBSD server still runs, you know, it still functions, it's just not functioning uh, super fast. <clears throat> but anyway, I drug out a uh, a 10-year-old computer here, it's uh, a Lenovo, what is it, G780, I believe. I think that's what it is. Uh, with 6 gigabytes of RAM, which is a strange amount of RAM for a computer to have, it's an i5 processor that I think is clocked up to 2.3 gigahertz, something like that. And it's got a really weird 750 gigabyte hard drive, which is also very unusual. But, you know, back in the day, this is a hot laptop. It is a 17-inch laptop, and it has a built-in NVIDIA chipset, too, by the way, that you can run the Bumblebee on if you uh, had a regular... Linux distribution and, and have uh, switchable graphics for your games. Of course, it has a DVD player in it and it has this Broadcom uh, BCM4313 Wi-Fi in it that requires proprietary drivers. Anyway, I uh, I got the bug and decided I, I'm i going to park OpenBSD for a while and start playing with Triskel. And so I have Triskel 8 loaded on this machine and I've been doing some reading and uh, Triskel 9, which is supposed to come out this year, uh, is supposed to support the Raspberry Pi. 
and I have a mind, a mindset that if they do that, I might just be switching off of OpenBSD and running Triscal 9 on a Raspberry Pi and trying to replace my server. That's that's what I'm going to try to do. And I'm going to have a very interesting project because, uh, you know, Linux doesn't exactly do what the PF firewall does in uh, OpenBSD, but I'm going to try to to emulate it as best as possible. <laughs> and uh, my goal is to um, try to create a a... Wi-Fi router, and also a server uh, using Raspberry Pis and uh, Triscoll. That's what we're going to try to do, and that will happen uh, this summer sometime when all this stuff comes out, when Triscoll 9 comes out. There's no point in me trying to do it with Triscoll 8 because Triscoll 8 currently does not have any ARM support, but they're supposed to have ARM support of some kind. Hopefully it'll be for the Raspberry Pi, but I I won't promise that that's going to happen because that would seem weird, wouldn't it? Because Triscoll really doesn't support closed sourced hardware, and unfortunately the Raspberry Pi, all the Raspberry Pi devices are pretty much closed source stuff from what I understand. They're not, they don't have uh, free software. They're running on free software because of uh, the design of the board, I guess, and uh, uh, perhaps the NDAs they have with these commercial providers. So maybe the next Raspberry Pi will fix all that. I don't know. Of course, uh, the other possibilities that I have uh, would be to try to run OpenBSD on... Uh, one of the other single board computers, like I believe they have a port for maybe it's the BeagleBone Black, and um, I don't know what else, but the biggest problem with um, OpenBSD is Wi-Fi support on these single board computers. If, for instance, uh, you can run OpenBSD on a Raspberry Pi now, it just doesn't have any Wi-Fi wi support because, you know, the drivers are closed on that thing. Apparently there's an NDA to get uh, Raspbian running on it, but... Uh, Currently, there's no way to get OpenBSD or NetBSD or even FreeBSD to use the uh, Wi-Fi router in host AP mode or, or any other mode. Uh, so that's kind of a problem, and that's what puts those groups behind where Triscoll might be able to get around that a little more quickly <coughs> and probably run a little faster. But uh, to conclude this podcast, it does strike me as strange that there isn't an effort, in other words, a major push with an OpenBSD to find another board, single processor board, or multiple boards and start shoving the developers over to port OpenBSD to those boards. Because as time rolls along, you know, like I said, they've, they've shut down the VAX port. It's gone. Uh, Spark will be gone soon. I386 will be gone soon. PowerPC will be gone soon because they're getting older. People are not going to be running those anymore. You know, the old the old RISC-based IBM-powered PowerPCs. And so uh, OpenBSD is going to be sitting on this Intel AMD64 platform, and, you know, they've already pretty much admitted that that's a broken chip, and it's going to be broken for over a decade. 
And, you know, even when they fix it in a decade's time, people are going to find problems with that Intel chip because of the silly management engine they've got back there and everything else. I mean, I vote we just ditch the whole thing. Right? Ditch AMD, ditch Intel. Uh, put our foot down and say, hey, no more management engine and no more nonsense with Spectre Meltdown. We've had enough, you know. Uh, this is something that Intel should have piled a big bunch of money on and fixed it for the i9, but what are they doing? They're selling the i9 chip out in the open market, and it's still got the same problems, still still has the same problems as Spectre Meltdown. I mean, they got a patch over it now, but it's still a broken chip. And if I bought an i9 and put OpenBSD on it, well, half the processes are going to be shut down on it. So what's the point in running it? I mean, from my viewpoint, if I could get OpenBSD on a Raspberry Pi and get the Wi-Fi router supported, I'd probably do it because I'd have use of all four cores. And it would start getting very competitive with um, like an i5 running at the same speed. Uh, it really would. Because when you shut down half the cores in an i5, all of a sudden the performance is about like that of a Raspberry Pi. It is. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my predicament. And uh, I thought I would talk about it tonight and go ahead and conclude this podcast. It was nice to meet you all. And uh, I hope you have a good day. And we'll make some more audio podcasts on this project uh, as things become available. Uh, the most interesting part will be uh, how I decide to replicate OpenBSD in Linux. Because that's, that's going to be a trick uh, in itself. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.